This is Steel's Real Life, the podcast about real outdoor people with your host, Joe Thomas. Real Life with Joe Thomas is presented by Steel, maker of a full line of gasoline and battery handheld outdoor power equipment. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Hey everybody, I'm Joe Thomas alongside my sidekick, Jim Kramer, world-renowned outdoor television producer. Jim, what's happening? I've always wanted to be a sidekick. You know, if I could have chosen anything for myself, sidekick would have been it. Yeah, kind of like Tonto. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really uh, happy to be here. Uh, Our very first podcast, episode number one. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I I think we've we've, uh, done a lot in television telling people stories, uh, average people, different fishermen and seals were in the outdoors. And now we sort of get to uh, expand on that without the uh, television time limits uh, for our podcast here. And I think that's going to be great. Well, and the thing that makes our television so compelling, I think outdoor television in general is the people. And, and that's what drives the whole thing. And today we, we our first guest, I mean, I love this guy. This guy is when you think of bass fishing, when you think of fishing in general, uh, this guy's name comes to the forefront. I mean, he's, is, is he an icon? I would say icon. And I would even consider him a pioneer in the outdoor fishing TV industry for sure. He's probably one of the funniest dudes I ever met. He's, he's a dear friend and he is Fish Fishburn. Fish Fishburn on the line. How are you, Fish? I'm fantastic, Joe, and you're doing podcasts now. Oh man, we got we we're we're multifaceted, man. We got we got TV shows, we got podcasts, we got I don't know, we ain't, we're not got under radio yet, but who knows? Who knows? It's a multimedia empire, really, yeah. at this point. And we've got we've got Jim Kramer with that voice. You can you can do anything you want to do. He's not he's he's not he's got a face made for radio too, which is cool, you know. <laughs> Fish, how you doing today? You know, I'm fantastic, Jim. Thank you for the for the opportunity to be on the show. And I got to tell you something about the two of you before we really get started. And that is, I don't know how you guys do it, but there's something upstairs that's a little bit off with both of you because <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, you're workaholics. You both of you, all you do is work. It's very interesting. I don't know why. I don't know why you don't play more. But, but it's don't... fun work, Fish. It's fun work. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not living in my cabin up in the mountains of Tennessee, <laughs> overlooking Lake Douglas. But uh, anyway, but fish. Seriously, uh, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, Jimmy and I were, were were talking about different people to have on, and you know, you've always been one of my favorites. You and I go way back, uh, but I want to go even further back than that. I mean, I, I want people to know. Fish Fishburn. They, they know Fish Fishburn back to probably maybe if you're older to maybe Team Grandma, but your whole life is about your name. I mean, what in the world got you interested in fishing back in the day? I, I know you're from Georgia. That's as far back as I go, but but tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's kind of the same old story, Joe. Everyone has an influence, no matter what your your career becomes. But my father was the largest influence. He loved to fish and he fished for everything that swam. And we grew up fishing farm ponds and rivers. And as you mentioned, Georgia, my grandfather had a farm with a pond. And then we used to go to the Chattahoochee River and it was nothing but fishing every weekend from the time that I was probably six or seven. And he would drag us around because that's what he was going to do on the weekends. He worked a full-time job and his, his love and passion was 
anything that bit. So that's something that I go back to is if it's going to bite, I'll take it. I'm not a bass fisherman through and through. That was just because that was where the money was. That was the only reason I got into bass fishing was because you couldn't make a career, have a career in any other species that swam legitimately. They'll tell you you can. Guess what? You can't. And it's the salt water level. If you don't have millions in the bank, you cannot have a salt water career. So dad got me started and it grew from there. As a matter of fact, I met you, Joe, when I was about 19, 18, actually. I remember the moment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You were fishing a Bassmaster event on, there were two times that, that you invited me to, to hang with you guys. Uh, you're, you had some cronies coming down from the Ohio area and you hooked up with some of the guys when you would travel across the country at, in different States. But you invited me to go fishing with you on Lake Chickamauga in Tennessee. And you also befriended me or vice versa at, uh, Lake Lanier, uh, Lake Lanier Island. So I've known you a long time. And I seriously, Joe, when I say this, I'm not just blowing smoke. Your influence was really pivotal in my choice to fish the professional circuit. And you had been working, I think, a job with UPS. And it was your dream. You were in a bass club. I was in a bass club. So very interesting. And it's amazing we're still friends, Joe, because <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of friends. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. That but mm-hmm. you know you know what's what's funny is is you remember the first time that we kind of officially met, but I'm gonna take you back because you don't even know that I know this. But I remember a time when I was at a tournament uh down on Lake Seminole at Jack Wingate's Lunker Lodge, staying at some little broke down cabin over there right by the boat ramp. And the, and and you you were 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 bunking in with some dudes that were fishing the tournament, and I, I don't know the whole story, but I remember this redheaded guy pulls up in a K5 blazer, a white K5 blazer, an old beater with a beat up old Ranger bass boat on the back, and he gets out and he jumps up on the hood of the truck, and I'm like, I'm 50 yards away, and I'm looking, who is this son of a gun? And that was. That, that left an impression, I will tell you right now. Um, and fast forward all these years, I, can you still jump on a, up on a pickup truck? or Can you do any of that still or no? Too old? Well, Joe, I do have buns of steel, but I will. <laughs> no, I don't do that anymore. Joe, you know, we're not any younger. And that leads me back to the, the thought of why you work so hard. But anyway, no, <laughs> well, I don't get ladders either. That's well, oh, 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 wait, I got to interject here. So, and, and I've heard this rumor that that fish you could literally stand flat-footed and jump up onto the hood of a truck or up onto the deck of a bass boat that was sitting on a trailer and land on your feet and you had that kind of athleticism and you chose to use it in professional bass fishing yeah the most the most physical sport in america is what he chose i am am no longer a fan of jim cramer no Jim, I got to give you kudos right there. And you know, you look back on your life and the older you get, the kids today don't know what experience is. They'll tell you they do. They have no idea. As you get older, you grow so much more. I would not go back, but I will tell you this. I probably, to your point, Jim, should have played other sports. And I will tell you that when I was in high school, the coaches all, I went to a small high school in North Atlanta and the coaches came to me at every level and said, hey, we have a smaller school. We need athletes. And I would be like, OK, well, good luck finding them. <laughs> <laughs> because it was in my blood at that time. And I spent 
weekends with my father and my grandparents. And we, and of course, mom was there. She didn't fish, but we went fishing and as a family unit, that was what we did. So the coaches, my second year of high school, they didn't speak to me. They literally quit speaking to me. They were so upset, but you got to remember, we had a tiny field to choose from as far as athletes in the school. And I'm, I look back, Joe, because I know you played sports and you were very successful and your family has been successful in sports, everything from bowling to football. But I'll tell you something. I'm glad. I. By the way, that. I was the football. I wasn't the bowling. OK, that's Doug. <laughs> well, that's, just, yeah. <laughs> but I look back and I'm glad because of the sports injuries going forward, your life is more complicated with your physical from the physical aspect yep. and I don't have any physical issues. It's good to be, you know, healthy. Nice so, to have your knees still. Absolutely. It really is. And fingers and joints. I don't think I've ever really broken a bone. Yeah. So that's, you know, it, I don't know. I, I just, it, fishing was an escape and it, and it just became part of life as it did with, with you. Well, you know, fish is funny. The other day, you start you you talk about these young guys, and and the, the bass fishing has gotten so big, and it's gotten so diverse as far as who's getting into the sport, and everybody's got a YouTube channel. And I had a guy walk up to me the other day, a young guy, and he looked at me, and and he said, "Dude, I was searching on YouTube the other day, and and uh, you used to fish Bassmaster." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, it's like 25 years I fished Bassmaster," <laughs> you know. But and and a lot of a lot of that, you know. We, it, that gets lost in the shuffle. You know, years go by, and and we did a lot of things. And fish, you were a a really good angler. I know everybody knows you for TV, and they know you for hosting bass and and all the things that we're going to talk about. But but you were a really solid angler in your own right. You won a couple of Bassmaster events. You and I both actually qualified for our first classic in the same year, 1987, on the Ohio River. Um, tell me a little bit about what what drove you and what allowed you to get into professional bass fishing at that time? I mean, we were both young. I know I was just, I mean, I was sleeping in my truck and, and just struggling to get by. Um, you, you had a little influence of your own, didn't you? I certainly did, Joe. And I, not only was my father a guiding force because he really, really, really loved the idea of fishing. But when it reached the the so-called professional level, he said, okay, you're a moron and you're not doing it. Yeah. He said, wise man. <laughs> right. Right. And you look back and you think, wow, that may have been a changing moment, but I went to college and I, now there's, this is a true story and some of your listeners won't believe it. College was not for me. Well, guess what? I wasn't for college. So way strict and college is expensive. And if you are fortunate, an education is a blessing. And if you are fortunate enough to attend a university, you better thank the people or you better get a student loan, whatever it takes to help you. I don't recommend student loans, but I think it is a privilege to go to school. And I didn't know that. I'm 18, 19 years old, getting out of high school. All I want to do is fish. I go to school for two years to keep everybody quiet, just to shut my family down. <laughs> And I go in there and look, I failed courses in college. Who does that? That's so irresponsible. But all I cared about was fish. So my grandparents, my, my parents said, you need to just go into the military, which is a great answer for so <laughs> many young people. And yeah. A lot of people choose not to do that. Well, my grandparents said, 
look, we're helping facilitate the cost of college. We will facilitate a career if there's an opportunity. And my dad went to my grandparents on my mom's side, oddly enough, and said, there is no hope for a career. This boy's got no prayer. (laughs) I'm circling back, but he was actually right. Now, it's a long story, and we'll touch on bits and pieces, but my grandparents said, if we don't do something, he's going to end up in jail. So, okay, they gave me a shot, and it worked. Well, did it really work? And, Joe, people won't believe this when they hear it. Eleven years, eleven years on my Social Security statement— there are zero. <laughs> zero. Okay. Now, when these kids that we're talking about in high school and college who are all being, uh oh, here comes a fishism, misguided because they think they're going to be the next superstar bass fisherman and make all this money, okay, which is not going to happen, by the way. Well, <laughs> There are going to be zeros on their social security (laughs) statements. And Joe, I was so flat ass broke that I lived at home. Now, here we go, kids. I lived at home until I was 30, (laughs) 30, three, zero. Okay. Who lives at home? Who lives with their grandmother? Their third, no, you know why I did it because the rent was cheap and the laundry was done and meals were prepared. That's how much confidence or ignorance my grandmother had to support me with something that she helped facilitate from a career standpoint. But Joe, it's a it's a long twisted saga, but I'm here's my point the youth today that truly believe that they have a legitimate shot at fishing, they don't. That's a fact. And <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you beat the system, you know what? I will give you the biggest high five. But remember, in any professional sport, 5% make 95% Absolutely. of them. Yeah. And it's no different in fishing, except if you want to make a million dollars bass fishing, start with three. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you might have a million when you're said and done. It's a brutal, brutal career, Joe. Yeah, it is. And uh, I look back on mine and I think I, there's nothing I would have changed, even those days sleeping in my truck and, and all the things, that, the crazy things that you do just to survive. But you and I were, were pretty fortunate. You know, We were one of those one in a thousand, one in ten thousand that were able to to actually make a career. We've had to do a lot of things in our career to 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 be successful in the sport of fishing. I know your grandmother, let uh, rest her soul. I loved her, uh, yeah, and she she uh, she had uh, the team grandma. That was her team grandma. People look back and and uh, I can remember her calling me, and she had that high pitched voice, and she would say, "Joe, I just don't know what I'm gonna do about fish. You need to guide him. You're so structured, and he's so he's so unstructured." And and the whole time I'm going, "There's no, this, there's no prayer, but but I'll, uh, grandma, I promise." 
issue, I will try to do my best to make sure he doesn't run through all of that college money that you stashed for him. But uh, no, she 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 was a, a a unique person, and I know she supported you. And I I stayed at her house, your guys' farm there day after day, and and she she loved the fact that you were bass fishing. And I think one of her proudest moments was when you were on the stage at the Bassmasters Classic. I think that was the day you did jump flat-footed into a Ranger boat with Ray Scott. I'm just saying, I remember it because I was there. But but uh, she was a huge influence in your life, was she not? Oh, she was. And Joe, my grandfather was as well. They were divorced. Robert, and that was- Robert my man, Robert. Yep. That's right. And yep. that was the cat guy. The only reason he wasn't on the scene more, but he was completely supportive and uh, a, an incredible individual, uh, both of them were. But Joe, she loved the fact, as you mentioned, that we took the risk. She and my grandfather were risk takers. And if you don't have risk tolerance in your life, you cannot and will not succeed mm-hmm. at any level. You will not. You'll basically end up just being a couch potato. But here's the thing. Th- you know, there's so much more opportunity today. But the opportunities back then were much more limited. Mm-hmm. And when when she said, we're going to start a business, you know what I said? Okay, I don't know what a business is. I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm out there fishing and going broke and going into debt. And she said, no, no, we're going to get an attorney and a CPA and we're going to sit and we're going to put together a business plan and we're going to follow it. Well, after about year number three, the CPA said on a phone call doing taxes, hey, I'm going to need your 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 taxes done. You know, there's a date. It's called April 15th, and it's about 30 days out. Okay. He says, you haven't done anything, have you? No. Well, he said, I haven't talked to your grandmother about this, but you've had this fishing career for three years. And I said, yeah, it's awesome. And he goes, no, it's not. And you're broke. And I said, what? And he goes, you got to start making money because the IRS will be flagged and they'll, they'll they'll look you up and they'll audit you. And I said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, and it eventually it happened. I was audited by the IRS and I had to show them fishing clothing and clippings from the newspaper and tournament stats. And I had to show them sponsor contracts. Yes, I was audited because fishing is really not a career. <laughs> 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 it's well, going out having fun at that level. You got to remember, you know, they, when I, when I was audited, the two auditors, one of them said, so you're a commercial fisherman. And I thought, you know, I need to get a net and some white boots <laughs> because we didn't, we didn't eat the fish that we caught. And when we explained that to them, they didn't like that. They didn't <laughs> like it. Why wouldn't you eat? Anyway, it's a long story, but it just goes back to show you that without the support of family, you you just and you know these kids today they'll they're driving up in their new rig, they got a fancy pants boat, a fancy pants truck, and they pull. And I know their parents are going into debt, providing that for them, and that's their choice. But, God bless them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I try, but it, you look at the people who do have that that whole push behind them. And it's because they have family money. And let me tell you something. If you're fortunate enough that your family has some assets that they're willing to lose, then by all means, go for it. And listen, the the woman that I'm currently married to, she has a brother who is about 40. He's 46 now, I think, 47. 
he gave it a shot. When I first met her, he was fishing an open event with Bassmaster, and he gave it a shot. This guy has a medical uh, background, not as a doctor, but he provides medical equipment, and it's a works for a company called Johnson & Johnson. I, you've all heard of that. Medtronic was a prior employer. So he has a good job, and he said to me, hey, I want to be a pro bass fisherman. I said, no, run! <laughs> and uh, he said, I want to try it, and he did, and he did it. For, he made the Bassmaster Yeah, classic. he was a pretty successful guy, if I remember. He's yeah, a, He's a fantastic angler. But after three years, he looked around, and he saw how hard it was, what was required from a, a travel and an income standpoint. And he said, man, look, I love this, but I need – a lifestyle. And he got off the road, went back to his medical profession and he's doing fantastic today. And he fishes for fun. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way that, you know, if I had it to do over again, I might've gotten a real job, but it, like you said, Joe, it worked out and you have to be diversified. You, you can't just fish and ever make enough money to have a life. And I, I will say this though, Joe, you know, your success has been staggering. It's, it's off the charts. Here's a difference between you and I that is a monster game changer. You got married and you had kids and you had a very nice lifestyle. And all of that requires work to drive the income. Joe, I did nothing. <laughs> I, did nothing. I did not get married. I did not have children. And it you can't, you know, to navigate your life and my life, they're two totally different places. But we go back to the fact that my high-pitched grandmother said, Joe, take care of him because you are just a, several years older than me, but you were grounded. And Joe, you still are. You you are extremely grounded and different. I'm a lost cause, as you mentioned. We were that way. We were extreme opposites. And, and I just really appreciate the fact that you kept me pretty much with a large weight on my head to slow me down back then because well, well jimmy says says he he calls me white bread and boring just so you know okay. <laughs> kind of little yeah toasty opie toasty. i'm opie yeah. i'm opie yeah that's me but but fish you, you did something i've got i've got to i've got to get back into this i got i know you keep diverting from the tournament career you had a pretty darn successful tournament career you won a couple of events you were actually at the time you were one of the hotter anglers in the country making classics doing all the stuff and then right what i would consider the peak of your your career you you made a radical change you retired from competition and ray scott had was was retiring from bassmaster after all those years as the host and you did something that i would have never dreamed and it turned out it, to me, it was probably it was your calling. You became the MC and host of the iconic organization, the Bassmasters. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. Interesting story, Joe. Um, you've got a very good memory. See, I'd forgotten all this. Um, so here's really the the truth behind the scene. When I was fishing, and I mentioned to you that I have eleven zeros on the Social Security statement. Nine of those zeros were, and this is a little embarrassing, nine of those were from the age of 20, uh, about 22, because I was a janitor. When I started my first career, I was a janitor at a Chevrolet dealership in, in North Atlanta. And I, I will say this, I was a good janitor. Um, <laughs> but I did that for several years to just to be able to provide income, to be able to fish the local tournaments on the weekend. Well, 
after those 11 years of zeros, I was 30 and I moved to Florida uh, with a buddy because I had just won a, a couple of Bassmaster events and I had cash. And I was like, oh man, guess what? I got cash. I can get out of here now. I can not that it was a smart move, but I was living with grandma and she would say things. She was never direct. She was always a circle talker. And one day at breakfast, she said, why don't you leave? <laughs> I said, She's beating around the bush. Was right. I, I, I knew that was off the side. I said, what does that mean? She said, you know, you, you don't, you're not making it. You're broke. You've been doing this 11 years and you, it's not going to work and you're not paying rent. And I said, well, I mean, I could borrow some money. <laughs> and I and Joe, I moved to Florida. She's seriously, I had one, let throw a number out there, about a hundred grand, which was back then a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. And it's sitting in my savings account, right? <clears throat> at a local bank. And I met with I wanted to buy a condo. And I met with the banker. And this guy's name was Mike. And he said, hey, man, we, we're going to get you a loan. You want to buy this condo? I'm like, yeah. He said, okay, well, so let me pull you up. Give me your social. And I did. And he couldn't <laughs> find me. And he said, you, he said You're, uh, you, I can't find you under your social. Give me your address where you live. And I did. And he goes, I, uh, I, can't, I can't find you there. And I went, well, it's my, it's my grandma's place. He goes, you, uh, how old are you? I said, 30. He goes, you're 30. You live with your grand. Okay. Well, this is where I said, dude, look, I'm just here to get a loan. He goes, all right, well, I can't find you in the system. Um, and I said, I don't know what that means. And he goes, you don't, you don't have any credit. And I said, no. He said, do you have a credit card? I said, yes. He goes, well, let me see it. It had Catherine written on it. It was my credit card. <laughs> So I was running. Now, get this, Joe. I fished 11 years with my grandmother's credit card to pay the expenses for the record keeping for the CPA who knew I was a failure. And so all of this was really hitting the wall. And he said, I can't loan you money because you don't have anything. And I said, I got something. He goes, what? I said, just forget it. And I was with a friend of mine who was laughing and he said, we're leaving. And the guy said, well, why? I said, I got cash. I'm buy I'll pay cash for my condo. And he said, yeah, you got a hundred grand sitting in the bank, 30 year old living at mama's house. I said, look, I'll show it to you. Well, I had to pull it up and show it to him. And he looked at it and he said, wow, you got a hundred thousand dollars. That's huge. I said, I have what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he said, uh, uh, we'll figure this out. So he hooked me up. Now get this. This is kind of funny too. A little sidebar with a financial advisor who sat down with me and said, I want to give you a hundred question test. And this was back in the day when they were using that stuff called paper. And he slid the paper over at me and I filled out the questionnaire and gave it back. It took me about 10 minutes to fill out a hundred questions. And I left and he left and he called me three days later and he said, I didn't tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, I gave you a risk tolerance test and you're the riskiest client that I've ever had. He goes, what is your deal? I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, you're not married. You don't have kids. You're 30. You lived at home. You have no credit. You can't borrow money. <laughs> the way you filled out this questionnaire is like you just chose C all the way down. I said, well, that's how I got through college. <laughs> <laughs> On multiple choice. Oh he said, and he's, and he's serious. He said, 
look, man, I'm an investment advisor. And if you take the kind of risk that you're talking, the way you put that out there, I said, look, man, I don't care. I'm just kind of footloose and fancy free. I'm ready to rock. And he laughed. Anyway, we're still friends. Like I said, I don't know why. But that was what happened to get me to a point, Joe, where I looked at the, this is a true story. I got a phone call from one of the owners of Bassmaster, and they said, we're doing an event, the classic, this summer. It's about 60 days out. Would you come and help? And I said, well, no, I'm not going to be there. And they said, what does that mean? And I said, I didn't qualify this year. And they said, no, no, we don't want you to fish. We want you to help host the event. And I said, I don't really know about that. And they said, no, come. It'll be fun. Well, they said, fun. I like fun. Good. I got nothing going on, right? No tournaments. So I went and helped co-host the event. And that was, as you mentioned, Ray Scott, who was the previous owner of Bass, who had sold it to a group of investors in Birmingham, had decided that he no longer was going to work as the uh, host, MC, and figurehead of the organization at that time. And this uh, opportunity arose. So I went and did the gig and I came home and about two weeks went by and they called me and they said, hey, fly up here to Montgomery, Alabama. That's where the headquarters was at the time. And we want to interview you. I said, interview me for what? For a job. I said, oh, I don't need a job. And they said, yeah, you really do uh, because you're fishing. But what if you had a real job? And I said, oh, I'm not interested. So I flew up there. And I had an interview, and then they called me back two weeks later, and they said, we'd like to offer you a position. I said, oh, this is super. What does that mean? They said, we want you to come in and host these events. <clears throat> we'll pay you. I said, no, thank you. I'm, I fish, and that's, I enjoy this whole, you know, being out in the fishing. And they said, well, we'll pay you. And I said, well, okay, well, how much? And Joe, listen to this. They made me an offer, and I took a Bassmaster weigh-in sheet that had the top 40, they paid about 40 places on average back in the day. Yep. And I went down halfway down that list and I looked at what the payback was. If you finished halfway down the field and I took the number of events and I multiplied it by that number. Yep. About 10 at the time. That's right. Yep. And that's what they offered me. And I said, you know what? I don't have to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. I don't have to drive a truck to California from Atlanta or New York or Okeechobee in South Florida. I don't have to put sunscreen on, drench in it. I don't have to. And Joe, I got a rental car and an airplane. And I made more money standing up hosting events than I did fishing because how many guys can legitimately be consistent enough to come in halfway down the field every tournament? Well, that'd be almost zero unless you're Kevin Van Dam. That's the point. Yes. It, it realized it. And I went to my grandmother with the plan and she celebrated. I think oh, she I had bet. Whoa, yeah, Joe, right. he's actually got a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that call. I <laughs> oh, love that. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't yeah. believe it, Joe. And it happened. And that was when I was 30 years old. And from there, I haven't fished competitively since. And well, why would you? Well, if you, you know what? But it's like anything else. If I had gotten an education, which I look back on now and realize that was a bad decision 
what I did. But anyway, if I'd gotten a, and started a career, and then I would have had a very much more normal lifestyle. But that's how all. Well, Fish, I remember people. We, we were all shocked when you when you did what you did. Uh, you walked away from competitive fishing right at your peak, and you took that job. I knew the inside scoop. I knew that story you just told because you know we were we were good friends. And I told you if you don't take that job, you're crazy because I always felt like you were a showman. You were cut out for it, and you kind of changed the complexion of of weigh-ins. When, when you, when you stepped on the stage, it became no longer, was it just, uh, yeah, coming up to the scales folks, not, you know, Ray Scott was amazing, but you took it to that next level. You, you, uh, you interjected so much humor and so much fun and, and everybody was your best friend when they walked up there and, and you did an amazing job for, for how many, how many years did you do that? How many years exactly? That's a great question, Joe. It would have been, let's see, I think I started in 98, 99, 2000. I think 2003 was the last year I did it. So about five years. And Joe, you know what it was? It was the fishing family. We were, we were, we were nomads. We're on the road. Mm -hmm. All of us traveled together. We knew the staff intimately. We all ate together and, and we spent the days on the water together and I mean, it's different now. It's it's there's some similarities, but it's different now. And the competition, you know, there was friendly rivalry, and then there was the <clears throat> the all important showman attitude with these guys. I mean, look, guys, at any level in any sport, there's an ego, and the egos in bass fishing to me are embarrassing. It's just fishing. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it's, guys genuinely walk around like they are something important. And I was never that way. And I was offended by the way, a lot of my peers, you know, carried themselves, Mm -hmm. but, and it's never going to change. It'll always be that way in every sport. And I get it. I truly get it. But I was so glad at the time to have the opportunity to step aside from that, but it was the fishing family. And I knew everybody and I knew their their wives and their kids and where they lived. And so it came very natural for me to just promote them and their careers. And that was what I think when, when you say it was kind of my calling, it was because I love to entertain and I love to have the opportunity, if you will call it freedom to go wherever the story took you. And, you know, when you're trying to create human interest for a crowd a fishing crowd it's it's difficult yeah. it's not an task and it's because how many people are really genuinely interested in fishing at that level well now a lot more because of broadcast and and technology but yeah i i really had a I got a great kick out of doing that for those five years joe well you 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 did that for five years and and were wildly successful people actually still talk about some of the funny things and some of the, the incidents on stage i remember a lot of myself but the things that when when I bring up Fish Fishburn or somebody you know brings you up to me, you're my co-host on on Pelicans Ultimate Match Fishing. You still are today, but they still talk. What about what people really talk about to this day? Was a show that was groundbreaking back in the day. If I remember right, it was on the old cable network TNN. If I'm not mistaken, the Nashville the network, Nashville right, yeah. network back when it was was what it was. And, and most of the, the fishing shows were on that network. You actually 
had a very unique fishing show that was called Go Fish. Tell me a little bit about that. So, Joe, that's your, your memory. It's truly unbelievable. So we're at a Bassmaster Classic, and it was 1995, 94, 95, and we're at the Classic, and we did a weigh-in, and this guy comes walking up to me on the floor where all of the anglers, once you weighed in, you were in a, a holding box on the floor of the auditorium. Yeah. This guy came up and hands me a business card and says, hey, I work for TNN, and I was like, well, that's good. What's that? And he said, you know, the Nashville Network. I said, oh, yeah. He said, we do the fishing uh, outdoor programming. And I said, oh, yeah, that's good. He said, give me a call when you get home. I'd like to talk to you. So I got home and I gave him a shout. And I said, what up? And he said, hey, man. He said, can you fly to Nashville this week? And I said, I, I don't know. What do and he, so, so I did. And I met with this guy. And he said, we would like to entertain the idea of you joining us as a host for a television series. And I said, Oh, that's wonderful. Well, TNN at the time, this shows you how old we are, Joe, there was about, uh, you know, 15 to 20 channels. Now think about that. There's, there's a thousand channels today on dish or direct. Well, this was cable TV and it's prime. And there were anglers on there that hosted shows, including Roland Martin and you had Jimmy Houston and we had Hank Parker and we had a, a couple of salt. So they had these shows and they said, we want you to do a, a fishing show. And I said, oh, wow. So go home, think about it, and we'll see you in two weeks. So I went back in two weeks, and I had written a, a treatment or a, a, an idea. And I got there and sat down. They had a production company that was in-house working on NASCAR at the time. Uh, so these guys did racing production, and we're going to do fishing. And uh, that's good. So I said, here's my idea. And I slid it across the table. And the first guy read it and he handed it to his partner and <laughs> he read it. And then he handed it back to the guy who handed me the, the card at the uh, classic who worked for the, the network. And they all looked at me and said, you're really, no, <laughs> what do you, what do you have in mind? And I said, what? Well, I don't know. And they said, where's the idea? What's the idea? And I said, that's it. And they said, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. And I, and they were serious. And I was, I didn't know what was wrong with them. I said, guys, look, it's about that's I'm serious. And they said, can't do that. You can't have a show that is funny. That's fishing. It doesn't, the two don't work. And I said, they work great. And they said, no, they, they won't work. Now, do you want to do a show? I said, guys, that's it. It's huge. It's funny. We'll do 13 shows at different locations. And they said, we are not interested in doing something that's, that's like that. That's, and I said, then have a nice day. <laughs> and I left. No, I went and got on a plane in Nashville and flew back to Atlanta and got home. At the time, you got to remember, I was still living with grandma that year in 94 because mm -hmm. I moved to excuse me, in 95. And she said, how did the meeting go? And I said, it went great. And she goes, really? What's the deal? I said, these guys are really nice. They're fun guys. And we, and they fed me. I had some really good food in downtown Nashville. It was the first time I had stayed in Nashville, which is a really cool city. And she said, so what's the deal with it? What they think about the show? I said, oh, they did not like that. <laughs> She said, what? And I said, they didn't like my trip, my idea. And they, and she said, what's why? And I said, did you read it? And she said, no. And I handed it to her. 
And she read it. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, what? He goes, this won't work. And I said, it was, I thought it was good. She said, what is wrong? They just want you to be a fisherman, just fish. I said, no, 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 that's boring. I, I said, grandma, when we watch the fishing shows that are on TNN, she goes, yeah, I don't really like them. <laughs> I, I know. And those guys are, you know, they, the, those were our peers, our idols back then. Yeah, Bill, sure. are you kidding me? Bill Dance did such a great job. He was catching all those giant fish on lures that really didn't work. <laughs> but it's because he was fishing in the tanks. These are, these are you know, ponds that are loaded. They stop with these giant fish. It's so awesome. Hey, listen, he helped me out one time. I needed a show, and we were in the Orlando area, and he said, you can – I don't know why he liked me because he probably doesn't now, but <laughs> he let me go to his, it was actually an orange grove and he had access to these. And Joe, we went over there and we smashed them. It was like, are you kidding me? How do I, maybe I can squat here and I'll live here hidden in the woods in a tent. <laughs> I could Every day, oh my God, what a great guy dance is. Anyway, so uh, it was bizarre because they called me back two weeks later and and grandma was depressed and I was starting to get depressed, which I'm really not a depressed type person. And she said, oh, you blew that. Well, the guy called me back. He said, listen, man, he goes, You're, we've looked at this thing again and maybe you got something. And I said, yeah. And he said, we'll, we'll try it. We'll try it. So we did. And Joe, that's how Go Fish got started. And it was a comedic fishing show that added a light touch because every other show out there was nothing but serious. And it was the how we're going to take this rod, reel, line, and lure. We're going to catch these fish. Bass, 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 bass. And I went out there and said, we're going to have a great day, a lot of fun. And that's what people do. When you and I go fishing and we're not in a tournament, what do we do? We have fun. Yeah, we focus. That's exactly right. Yes. And what's going on in your life? How is your wife and kids? And you have a daughter that figure skates. Talk about that. That is stupid. Figure <laughs> Who does Who that? that? <laughs> I don't, well, but you know. I can another. tell you, I can tell you the ladder fishing was yeah. was literally you and your dad in a farm pond on step ladders fishing yeah. literally it's right up there with Takahiro Amore. I knew it. I knew it at the Bassmasters Classic when he won. I'm talking, that's one of the most iconic pieces of bass fishing video of all time that people, young and old, still, they, they know that and they bring that up all the time. Uh, literally, when you told me you were getting ready to do that, I, I looked at you and I said, you are truly touched, son. You are really off your rocker. And who knew, who knew that that show would be wildly successful and it would... I mean, it lasted for for several years on a on an. I mean, back then that was the reach. TNM was the place to be. Sponsorships were huge, and I'm sure that you know everything was was probably as good as it could be. That was the golden age of cable television, and that show was was iconic, and people still remember it to this day. And and uh, I think that that was, you know, that in the in the Bassmasters 
w- back in the day with w- your hosting, you were probably, uh, in my opinion, way more at the peak of your career than you were even when you were winning tournaments fishing. That's true, Joe. Um, you know, that actual show, the ladder fishing episode was almost got me fired. Uh, they, I contacted them and said the production house was in, was in Dallas, Texas, and they were driving to the Montgomery area because we were going to have some meetings with bass at the time. And long story short, I called my dad and I said, dad, I want to have you on the show. And he goes, no, thank you. And I said, no, really? I want you to come on the show. So he drove over not knowing what was happening. And I went to home Depot and I bought two 11 foot step ladders and I threw them on a John boat, took them out the farm pond, jammed them in the mud. And then he showed up and I said, that's what we're fishing off of. And he said, I'm leaving. (laughs) He really, we had a rough go since then, Joe, he doesn't talk to me. ever. (laughs) No, but I love Marty. He's a good man. Memorable. And then it just led, it just led from there. And, you know, we did, we did a couple seasons of that show and it got really more and more crazy. And, but that was, you know what, you only go around once. So have a good time. That's yeah. what it's all- and I think that that show was almost a little before it was time. You know, I think uh, I had a show, Angler on Tour. I think it was a little bit before it's time. And now with, with the way things are and the way things have pro- progressed, I, I think that the, they were received very well back then. I think they would be probably even more successful now. But you, you touched on something that really uh, – uh, you know, kind of sparked a little thing in my memory. You talked about how little things kind of change your path. And I, I remember back in the early days of ultimate match fishing, uh, you know, Jim Kramer and I, we started ultimate match fishing. Jim, what's it been, 18 years now? Uh, yeah, going on that. It's yeah. been a long time. We've been on Outdoor Channel. Jim's the executive producer of ultimate match fishing, a hero in his own mind, as you know, fish. But oh, anyway, that's, that's, that's another that's another story. But <laughs> I I ran this by Jim. We're sitting there and we had this sheet in front of us. I'll, I'll remember it like it was yesterday. It was like the third year and an ultimate match fishing was blowing up on Outdoor Channel. I mean, this is before this is before Major League Fishing. This is the first real made for television fishing show head to head. And we're looking at all these pros and man, we had Kevin Van Dam and we had Rick Clun and we had uh, you know, uh, uh, Larry Nixon and Tommy Martin and all these amazing anglers and we had the sheet in front of us of all these guys who just won Bassmasters Classics and and we get down to like the last couple and he goes, okay, so who do you like here? He goes, I said, I, I'd like to I'd like to bring Fish Fishburn out of retirement and let him fish. And he looked at me and he goes, you're out of your dang mind. <laughs> and I said, no, seriously, I would love to bring, if he will do it, I don't know if he'll do it because he's a little lazy. I said, but I will bring Fish Fishburn <laughs> and I will put him against, to this day, against any of these top fishermen that were, are going to fish ultimate match fishing. And I twisted his arm a little bit. Uh, I'm just kidding, really. But we, but you came and you fished ultimate match fishing, went to the semifinals against Guido Hibden, if I'm not mistaken. But but regardless, regardless, the the uh, the folks from Outdoor Channel were there, and they they always had a, a couple of people from Outdoor Channel there, and 
they loved what you did. And the next year, the very next year, we get a phone call from the big boss at Outdoor Channel. And he called Jim because he knew that I was going to go against this because I was like, I, I didn't like change, man. I'm the host of Ultimate Match Fishing and I don't want anybody stepping on my action. And, you know, I'm a control freak fish. And he asked Kramer, he said, <laughs> no, he didn't ask Kramer. He told Kramer, he said, guess what? He said, I want your new co-host for Pelican's Ultimate Match Fishing to be Fish Fishburn. And Jimmy's like, oh, wait till I tell Joe this one. Wait till I run that by him. And, and Fish, how long now? How long have you been my co-host on Pelican's Ultimate Match Fishing? Is it 10 years, 12 years? Well, Joe, I didn't know that was the real story. <laughs> well, you know what these podcasts are all about is revealing stuff on wow. tape that you yeah. didn't really know. Yep. Wow. True. We probably could stop the tape for a few minutes and have a little talk. No, no, you guys, it was so funny. You called me and, and now you got to remember, you mentioned something there a few minutes ago that is spot on. I'm lazy. I am lazy. I promise you, listen, guys, I listen, I, and we'll, we can talk about this another time, but I retired at 40. I retired at 40. I'm 55 now. I'm bored. <laughs> so if you can come up with anything for me to do, I'm wide open. And if anybody's listening to this that needs some help in the outdoor world, marketing or production, I'm available. Call me. <laughs> you can get my number from Joe or I'll put it out there. I don't care. Yeah. Joe, call me. Up. Yeah. Call me. Seriously. I'm, I'm genuinely bored. But anyway, so you, you called me. This is a funny story, Jim. You'll remember this. <clears throat> Jim called first, and he goes, "Hey, man." He goes, "This is Jim Kramer. How you doing?" I said, "Hey, Jimmy." <laughs> he said, "We want you to come on Ultimate Match Fishing and be a competitor. It's big." And I said, "Yes, that's awesome. Thank you." And he said, "So can you do it?" And I said, "I, you know, I'll have to look, check my schedule." And I was totally lying at the time, Jim, because <laughs> I didn't have a schedule and. <laughs> So you said, well, I'll let Joe know that you might, and can we call you back in a few days? And I said, yeah. And so then Joe called and <clears throat> Joe, we've known each other forever. Truth be known podcast. That's what you should call this. Truth be known podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> and you called me and you said, fish, man, what's going on? We got caught up. And you said, I know Jim called you a few days ago. Would you come in and be on the show? And I said, well, I, um, I mean, I, I don't know. And you said, do you, you, do you like the show? And I went, oh, uh, yeah, I love, you know, I love television and shows. And you went, you, you've never seen my show. <laughs> and I said, that's true. Yeah. Fact. yeah. I said, I've seen something. And you said, you, you and I are dear friends and you have never watched my ultimate match fishing production. Have you? I'm, and you said, I'm asking for the truth. And I said, I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't seen it. <laughs> and you said, I cannot believe we have been friends this long. I said, Joe, please don't take this the wrong way, but I don't watch outdoor programming. And you, you started laughing. You said, I should have known that about you. You don't watch outdoor programming. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have outdoor channel on my TV. And it was so funny. We laughed for 15 or 20 minutes. And then you said, all right, now back to business because you're a businessman. You said, you got I that right. You. And I said, I'll, Joe, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. 
And you said, all right, well, by gosh, show up at this place on this lake and bring some tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and I quit fishing. I did. I quit fishing then. And so I had to go find tackle in the basement. And I had a boat. I had an aluminum boat. You realize I didn't even own a bass boat. I remember, I still, you, I remember that. Yeah. I don't own a bass boat now. I don't. Anyway, I drove over to Middle Tennessee and we fished and had a absolute ball. And then after that, what the point you made, a guy said, get Fishburne to co-host. Jim, you'll remember this. I get a phone call from Joe. And Joe says, hey, man, you know the show? I said, yes, sir. Yes, I do. And I've watched it. And you said, uh-huh. Well, what about come on and we'll do some some fun co-hosting type stuff. And I went, no. (laughs) (laughs) And you said, what? And I said, Joe, listen, that is your show. And it's very, and I will say this, the show is very, very good. And the reason the show is good is not because of Joe and fish It's because of Jim. (laughs) And that's that Jim, you kick butt in the edit suite. I mean, for those of you that don't know how television works, it boils down to taking millions of miles of raw footage and narrowing it down to 21 minutes. And Jim is the guy. Well, thank you, Fish. That's very nice of you to say. It's truly unbelievable. I don't know how you guys do it, but it's phenomenal. It It is the best bass fishing show, in my opinion, on television, not because I have anything to do with it. And I've seen the episodes all the way back from when you started. But Joe... You said, come on. And I didn't want to do it because it's just not, you know, that is serious bass fishing. Oh, yeah. And you knew you were going to have to get up early and you were going to have to stay late. And Kramer makes us work like 12 hour days. (laughs) And and I knew all those things. And then I was afraid you might ask me how much we were going to pay you. (laughs) And that was the funniest part about the whole thing. When you finally said, yeah, man, I'll do it. I kept thinking, when's he going to ask how much he gets paid? And you never did. You never did. And that's that's the one thing I always loved about you. If if you didn't want to, it wasn't about the money. You wanted to come because you wanted to come. And now how, all these 10, 12 years later, you've become a fixture on the show. And, you know, you, you've. You've actually you, you've upped my game. It, we've worked, I think, hand in hand. You know, we play off each other pretty well. And the show itself is is really it's tailor made for for us for what we do. It's tailor made for television. And I think the reason it has been so consistently successful for almost twenty years is the fact that it just you know head to head anglers with you know with that kind of stress on the line and us throwing rocks and, and poking sticks at them. It's good. It's just good TV. Well, there's something that the audience right now does not know. They're unaware of. And so I'm going to break the ice on this one. Uh-oh. The difference is that there is 1% of television. If you turn your tube on right now, what you're seeing is fake. What you're seeing is fake. It is pre-produced. It is written. It is scripted. It is fake. But then... It's just broadcast television, and there's a story to every show. Ultimate Mass Fishing is the one percentile that is real. What you see is actually what you get. It is multi-camera shot. It is a huge burden on everybody involved, and it 
because it's live, it is a huge financial carry for you guys, the production house, but it's real. It's live to tape. Yeah. And, and that's, I tell, I tell our guys and Jim talks to the cameraman every night. It is a sporting event. And if you miss one snap of the football, that could be the one, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's why we shoot with four cameras and that's why it, it, it is what it is. And, and you're right. It's, it's real. I think that's what resonates the most with the people is what they see is what they get. Well, Joe, to your point, when you called me, and we were talking about the show, and I had and I had done this with you several years. It was about the third year I did it with you and Jim, and we were sitting there, and every day after we shoot, when we shoot, sometimes weeks at a time, but anyway, we sit down and we have a, a, a review meeting, if you will, <clears throat> and you'll say, and Jim will say, all right, what did you think? Let's talk about the high points and low points everything in between. How can we make, and Jim's on top of this, how can we make it better tomorrow? What do we need to up the game? All this. And I said about the third year in our first day meeting, I said, I think you need to start faking some of this. (laughs) (laughs) And you said, do what? And I said, Joe, your work, you guys are working way too hard. I said, look, we can change this and we can do that. And you listened, you both were extremely patient. And at the end, you said, no, dude, everybody else, every show you see, fishing show is fake. And so we're not doing that. We're the only real guys on the block. And I stood back and I said, wow, I didn't get fired because that was a pivotal moment. And you could have told me just to take a hike. But you guys, I don't know how you do it. You work so hard. And it's so good, though, Joe. It really is. Yeah, we've been so fortunate. And I don't like the Jim's head swelling out of his headphones right now anyway. But, uh, yeah, he's the, he's the brains behind the operation. Plus, he's got that that voice and you know, all the commercials you hear with the Jim Cramer voice. But uh, I could do the voiceovers for free. Yeah, forever. But, yeah. but any, anyway, well, we're still going strong with Pelicans Ultimate Match Fishing. Uh, fish, you know, right now, uh, this season, we are in the heart of a pandemic. And... We were scheduled to shoot this year during the middle of the peak of the pandemic, and and um, we were, were unable to. Missed my time with you by for sure, everybody having to stay home. Uh, but we are halfway in the middle, as this thing is being recorded, we're halfway in the middle of uh, a best-of season of Pelican's Ultimate Match Fishing. We're using remastered shows and, and going back in the archives and pulling up some of our best matches of all time. And I will tell you, I've been watching them. Uh, I get the preview episodes, and I actually watch them on Outdoor Channel on the big screen. And I, I forgot some of those matches, how great they were and how exciting. And and when I get excited on as a commentator, it's not fake because it's happening in the moment. And uh, it, it was it's been pretty cool to watch some of those iconic matches. Um, over the over the years and like i said we're proud of that show we're proud you know to have you a, a part of it and um i'm looking forward to getting back to work with that show but but right now like i said you know what we've got on the air is, is, is solid um and which leads me to what you've got going which i caught that yesterday i can't go to the gym anymore fish you know me i'm all swolled up i gotta go to the gym right every day i gotta go to the gym and right now if you if you go to the gym you gotta wear a mask in Ohio. 
Ohio and I suffocate when I wear a mask on a treadmill. So, so I, I have gotten, you would love this. I have taken my, all my old workout equipment from back in the day. And I done, I dusted all the cobwebs off of it and I rolled my old treadmills and stuff. And, and I, I've got, outdoor channel, big TV with outdoor channel in it in my basement. And every morning I, I watch it outdoor channel and sportsman's channel. And the other day I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm on the treadmill and I'm just kind of cruising through it and bass champs, Skeeter's bass champs pops up. Boom. There's fish Fishburne. And I, I was watching that, that event and it was down in Texas. It was on Lake Fork. And I thought to myself, I thought you're still in your element, you know, as, as host of that is your, I know that's your main gig. Now you say you're lazy, but you still travel to Texas a lot. You're shooting bass champs. Tell me just a little bit about it. We're kind of running out of time here, but I, tell me just a little bit about bass champs. Cause it is your current gig besides Pelican's ultimate match fishing. Um, but I know that you've actually put together your own production company and, and you're kind of doing your own thing with that. Aren't you? I am, Joe, and it's a lot of fun, and that's the reason I do it. That is first and foremost. If it's not fun, you won't find me there. And it's a gig that uh, came up by chance. I had been working with Skeeter Boats for years, and they do an event every season that is to give back to everyone in the country that owns a Skeeter Bass Boat. It's called the OT, Owner's Tournament, and it's on Lake Fort, which is a tremendous big bass factory every every summer. They didn't have it. It was postponed due to the COVID-19 this summer. But uh, they have let me host that event forever. Uh, gosh, going on 20 years. And I was at that event and working with the group that puts that on for them from a sponsorship standpoint and a television standpoint called Bass Champs. Bass Champs is the world's largest team tournament circuit, and it happens to be out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and they have multiple divisions in the state of Texas, four, a north, central, south, and east, where they have individual events that qualify for a championship every year, and they put on specialty events, and they're a tremendous organization that had helped Skeeter Boats promote uh, their products and that event, the owner's tournament every year that I hosted, so they came to me several years ago and said, hey, ma'am, would, uh, would you consider doing a TV show with us? And I said, no. And they said, why? <laughs> That's a cons- I, I'm seeing a consistent theme. There is a trend here. Yeah, consistent a theme throughout your life, Fish. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to do it because it – and the guy said, what? Why? And I said, you've got a show. And he said, right, we have a show that is our tournament coverage. But we want you to do a show that's a standalone. And I said, uh, you know, do you know me? And he said, yeah, I've worked with you for years. And it's a – it's a lot of fun what you do. And I said, no, no, it's bass fishing is serious. And I said, I'm not. And so they really have a hard time blending. And he goes, no, we want fun because listen, our events are team events. They're not the breakneck anglers. That's not the pro guys. These are everyday Americans coming in here and having, I said, you know what? You're right about that. I said, these events that you guys do are really really fun. It's different. So long story short, he said, come up with a treatment or an idea and we will look at it. So Joe, I wrote a, I wrote a story and the story was that my wife and I were going on tour and he saw it. He said, you've lost your mind. And I said, why? And he goes, how is that beneficial? And I said, well, you asked for it. Eve doesn't even fish. 
right. She doesn't fit. <laughs> and he said, she doesn't. And I said, right. And he goes, how does that work? I said, listen, it's more of a reality opportunity. It's what's really going to happen. And he said, well, who do you have that's going to produce the show? And I said, uh, <clears throat> Jim Cramer. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled said, that one out of your hat, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Yes. And he said, you mean the guy off CNBC? <laughs> and I said, no, no, not the hedge fund manager who does mad money every Eastern at six every night. And he goes, what do you know about that guy? And I said, I'm a hedge fund manager. And we got off on a one hour tangent and talked about basically equities in the stock market. And the next thing you know, we he's completely lost track of what has just happened. And I said, I'll do it. And I think I had lost track. And he said, good. So we, we set it up. I called you, Jim. And I said, Jim, here's what we're doing. Would you come help me? And Jim said, no. <laughs> I remember that. And that's because I said no. <laughs> right. Right. Because now listen, when I talk about somebody's plate being full, oh, yeah. Joe and Jim's plate is over friggin' flowing. Yeah. <laughs> and so here's my little Petri dish <laughs> and I'm going, Jim, come help really. And Joe, you said, uh, you know what? All right. So Jim came and we put it together and we made it work and it was great. It was really fun. We had a great time on the road. My wife, I don't know why she still talks to me, but she, she had a good time. We, so she works here and she's a very, very, very hard worker. And so to get her to go to Texas to shoot the show, we needed 13 weeks of her time. And she looked at me and said, you're crazy. That won't work. And I said, no, it's good. And she did it. And we had a great time. And the, the show was successful and they got great feedback. But it financially, and I hate to say this, but it does come back to the dollar. Absolutely. It was not going to be lucrative for anyone because of the carrying cost. And we don't live in Texas. And so I told her, I said, we're going to move to Texas. And she said, have a nice life. (laughs) She wouldn't make the move. But anyway, we did the show. We still do it. We changed the format. They took their tournament show and we revamped it. And that's what I currently do. And we do a 13 week series and they broadcast on alternate networks between sportsmen and WFN. And it's a lot of fun. The tournament trail that those guys put on is it's unbelievable the way they manage and maintain and operate that tournament trail. They absolutely do as good or a better job than any other circuit out there. Yeah. And it is and, the and, payback. And you take the mainstream, the you take the, uh, the 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 weekend warrior, the the team tournament guy, and and you make them feel like pro fishermen when they're out there with you. I've noticed that, and you make it exciting, and you make it fun, and and um, I I I think that there was a need for that. There really is. And I know those guys have, have been, been really successful, but the TV show itself has done really good. I mean, like I said, it's, it's actually very fun and entertaining to watch. And there's some great fishermen in Texas. There are the, the sticks across the, the, the Midwest and the surrounding States, just unbelievable competition. But we had one of the events that they put on this year, a father and son won a nine-year-old and his dad won the event. We have, um, husbands and wives win the events all the time. So it's not that 
upper competition, the professional level, which makes it really, really much more fun. And the payback is unbelievable. I just got back yesterday from working an event at Lake Fork that's called the Mega Bass. And long story short, the Mega Bass pays, get this, they have an hourly weigh-in. It's a big bass event, and they pay $20,000 cash every hour. Unbelievable. For first, and then it spreads down 10 places, and the participation is unbelievable. If you want to have some fun, look up Bass Champs and look at their schedule and come join us in Texas. You won't believe the amount of money they give away every weekend down there. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, those guys do a great job. You're doing a great job with the show. And Fish, we're about out of time, but I've got to I've got to do this. I, I try to try to spring one on every guest every week. And right now, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Yeah. And yeah. I, I want you to just kind of dig deep. If you if you could spend one day in your bass boat, or in your case, your aluminum boat, but anyway, you could spend one whole day, and with some person, any person, living or dead. Who would that be and why? Wow, Joe, that's a great question. You know, when I was fishing, another drawback to the professional lifestyle as a pro fisherman is you're by yourself a lot. You travel typically, unless you have a family that goes with you, which is a bad idea because it's extremely expensive. Um, and you can't spend that much time with one person. You'll go nuts. But you fish by yourself primarily. You're, you're in a hotel room potentially by yourself unless you split the cost, which is a good idea. And then you fish by yourself all the time. And I spent so much time fishing by myself that when I retired from fishing, I realized, man, I'm out here in this boat just having fun, but I'm by myself. I need somebody with me. Well, no one would go um, with me because it's hard to build a friend base. But anyway, I took a a stand up, a six foot, I went to Lowe's and bought a six foot mirror and I propped the mirror up. (laughs) You have to have somebody to talk to, but Joe, uh, back to your question, uh, you know, there's not many people that would want to spend the day in the boat uh, because of my rambling. But, you know, I'm interested, Joe, when I when I told you that I moved to Florida, I got interested in two different facets. I became interested because of, of the financial side of how things worked in fishing and television. And so I started watching how it really worked and the sponsorship and the business behind it. And that intrigued me much more than the actual fishing itself. And so I got into that and I started trying to figure out or figure out how the financial world worked and where that really guided what was happening. And because Bassmaster is a business, it's not a it's not a fishing company. McDonald's Corporation is not a hamburger joint. It's a real estate venture. And I started figuring all this stuff out and talking to people and life is about who you know it truly is and i started to try to take one of my grandfather's pieces of advice by the way he's the guy that would probably be in the boat with me because i didn't know him as an adult he died when i was in my early 20s and i was fishing and i didn't know him and he was a tremendous influence in my life to have fun so uh, he would be in the boat i'm going to add somebody else here in a minute um, if I can, you're anyway, allowed to have one person in the boat, but I I, just because it's you, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to allow you, I'm going to allow you flexibility here. Well, my grandfather would spend time with me in the boat. He would probably be able to tolerate about 30 minutes and then he would probably get motion sick. But anyway, so, so I, I took that to heart and I knew he was a, a businessman and he was extremely successful and he was focused 
and he he had opportunity. He created his own opportunity, and there was luck. There was some luck involved in positioning his career, and I, I saw that, and it made me at thirty now. I wanted that. I wanted to do stuff like that, and so I surrounded myself with some successful people, and I got into real estate, and I got into uh, the stock market. And I started trying to figure out all of that. And I had, I didn't have him there for that guidance. And so that's who I would love to spend the day with in the boat. Because Joe, going forward, unless you're born into money, uh, Vanderbilt, or unless you are uh, born as an athlete uh, and can really, really excel in the professional level where there's genuine income, bass fishing will never have the income that the golf and the, and the baseball have. And think about that, you know, it'll never, the money will never be there. So how do you obtain opportunities in your life to create wealth? And people, so many people never have the influence when they're young to excel at, in, at that. And so I didn't have that influence except from my grandparents. And they always wanted me to be successful. And that's who I would love to spend the time with. So my grandma would be the other one. Yeah. You know, I got to, I got a chance to, to be, to spend time with both of them. Uh, not nearly as much with your grandfather, uh, Robert, but, uh, with your grandma uh, at, at many times. And you were very fortunate to have them in your life. I think you know that. And, uh, wrapping this thing up, I want you to know that, uh, we Jimmy and I have really enjoyed having you and ours, man. We, we, you know, love the fact that you are, continuing to work with us uh, as tough as Jim is to work with you continue <laughs> to work with us uh, overworked underpaid but anyway uh, on Pelican's ultimate match fishing you're doing a great job on bass champs I know that uh, Eve is proud of you your wife and uh, and uh, you've done a great job you downplay your career a lot man but uh, you're one of those names that uh, that in when fishing comes up your name you know, synonymous with some of the greats. And, and I appreciate you, you bearing your soul a little bit, man. I think people know a little bit more about fish Fishburn right now than when we started. Well, it's all about having fun, Joe. And that's my motto. And I'll tell you when I'm in the boat with my grandparents and we pull up to the boat ramp, guess who's back in the trailer in? That'd be me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there you go. Warren Buffett. All right, fish buddy. We love you, man. You have a, have a great rest of your day and, uh, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. No problems. If you want to send me a check, Uh, I know your address, your PO box. I'll get it to you. See All right, you. guys. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thanks, Bye-bye. Fish. Take care, buddy. Well, if you're going to have a guest for your very first podcast, Fish Fishburn is the guy. He's uh, He's got a million stories, and he's just he's fun to listen to. Yeah, I was laughing the whole time, and the fact is, I you know, I know what you get with Fish is real, and if I can have my way, this podcast is going to stay real, too. Hey, I'm Joe Thomas, and we're out of here. Thanks for listening to Steel's Real Life with Joe Thomas. Steel's Real Life is a presentation of Real Outdoors TV. All rights reserved.